Aloha. What's up, everyone? You know, it occurred to me, I haven't released an interview on here for almost a year. Actually, a little over a year. And I think it's high time. So, without further ado, let me introduce my guest on this episode of Not So Ordinary People. Now, in the world of sport, a game is often played where one fan may pose the question to another. It's actually heard quite often in sports talk radio, but the question goes something like this. If you were to start a franchise in such and such a league, uh, who would be the player you started with? Uh, you might hear in the NBA, for example, names like LeBron James, Steph Curry, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, or others. Further examples would be, uh, say, American football, for example, the National Football League. You'll hear names like Tom Brady, or I'd start with Matt Stafford or Patrick Mahomes. You get the idea. If you were to hypothetically have that same conversation about starting a Disney on Ice show, my first pick would be my guest on this interview. I've had the privilege of interviewing a handful of figure skaters already, and I'll tell you why this interview is unique. You see, he's more than a figure skater. <laughs> I don't mean that as some sort of euphemism or some cliche. I mean it quite literally, as he is also a live host for Disney on Ice. Have you ever met someone and immediately, simultaneously felt at ease and as though you'd been friends for quite a while already? Well, that was my experience with my guest on this episode of Not So Ordinary People. He has a unique background, like many of my other guests, but he actually is the first of many proverbial boxes checked for my podcast, and as the interview unfolds, I think you'll probably be able to identify quite a few. <laughs> I also think you'll probably laugh, hopefully learn something, and above all, enjoy the conversation. Without me further rambling on, please enjoy my interview and conversation with Mr. Alex Allen. So, anyway, thank you. First and foremost, for taking the time in our exceptionally busy schedule, um, this has been weeks coming. But I was thinking about it. Um, I've known you now for the better part of 14, 15 months now. I thought you were about to say 15 years. I'm like, you know what? It has been that long. I was going to just go with it. <laughs> it seems so <laughs> but long. But it has been. It's been so long. 14, 15 years. Yeah, it's been that yeah. long, I tell you. It's a long tour. I know. This is our first job together. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, for those who don't know you uh, personally, I always start at the beginning. So mm -hmm. the first question is always, where were you born? Where was I born? Mm. Let me tell you with this good bundle of... Where are we recording yet? Oh, it's recording. Oh, it's recording? <laughs> I'm putting on shea butter. Yeah. <laughs> this good bundle of chocolate butter was born in Washington, D.C. Actually, no, I was born in uh, Fort Washington, Maryland, really. Fort Washington, Maryland. Mm -hmm. How far is that from D.C.? Right next door. Okay. You could throw, throw a, a rock, you could throw a rock right in the Potomac. <laughs> you won't see it once it go in, but you'll see it. It's over there. The water's that nasty. It's getting better. Uh, clean, they've been cleaning up the Potomac for years. Oh, so it's an ongoing project. Yeah. Got it. Uh, right. Well, then uh, the Fort Washington, Maryland, mm -hmm. born, mm -hmm. raised as well. Do you mm -hmm. still live in the same home? And Yeah. Okay. You didn't do a lot of moving around then, obviously. Um, no military family. No. How many siblings do you have? Six. Six. So mm -hmm. you are where? You are the baby I'm, of seven. I'm six? the beautiful baby. Yes. Not the spoiled one, though. Not to be confused with the spoiled one. No. You know, that's interesting because yeah. my youngest brother is is definitely the baby, mm -hmm. and I think there is a fair argument to be made that he is the spoiled one. Yeah, I'm not spoiled. No. Nope. You can put me in a room with a sheet of paper and a pencil, and I will entertain myself, and that's all I need. <laughs> When I, was, when I was younger, my mom would be like, you know, 
go to your room. I'm like, okay. But like punishment, you know how you get like punished as a child? Yeah. And they'll either take away your video games or they'll say, you can't go outside, you can't ride your bike. Mm. It was like fine. You had to really make up a punishment for me. You could just put me in the room because that's the best place I want to be. Yeah, you can't leave that's me where by you myself. Wanted to be. Yeah. Okay. You can't like leave me by myself. Cause I'm like that's preferred. When people bother me, I'm like you know you're really kind of getting on my nerves. You got something to say? Otherwise, go away. <laughs> I am busy with my thoughts right now. So Ooh, leave me alone. Yeah. So and I didn't watch television. I didn't talk on the phone. So okay. Me being by myself, punishment. Great. Give it to me all day. So that that actually leads me to one of the other questions, which I, you know, I'm curious about mom and dad. Do you think you got that more from mom or from dad? Oh, I don't even know who I got that from. They're probably wondering where I got it from too. Oh, they're neither. That's just me. Oh, <clears throat> okay. Mm-hmm. Neither of your, none of your siblings, uh, similar personality like that. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're all no. Okay. Just me. All right. The intro extrovert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the intro extrovert. <laughs> Well, as we'll get into it. Internalized extrovert. (laughs) That speaks uh, volumes given what you do for a living. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right. Well, you mentioned briefly military. Talk to me about dad. Oh, dad works for Metro. Metro. He worked for Metro Bus. Uh, He was a mechanic. Okay. For 30-some years, maybe 40 years. Retired now. Mm -hmm. You never had any uh, any interest in going to be a mechanic? You know, okay, so I enjoy, I love cars. I love cars. I like fixing anything that's broken or building anything that is creative or just needs to be built. So when I was younger, my dad would always have us help him with, you know, changing the oil, changing a tire, fixing something under the hood because, you know, we had hoopties growing up. For those of y'all who are listening, a hoopie is an old car that's been worked on that runs like a new car. But don't be fooled. It's not going to last as long as a new car. But it will get you by. Long enough to sell it. Long enough to sell it. Okay. So if there's any 16-year-olds on here listening, <laughs> thinking you about to get a new car that you saw at the dealership driving past, don't believe the hype. You are getting yourself a hoopty, sir. <laughs> and you're going to love that hoopty. You're, you're going to like it. How Dog. many how many hoopties do you think you worked on? Dog on it. I'm sorry, what? How many, <laughs> how many hoopties did you work on? Um, all of them. <laughs> Every last one of them that came to the house. We did my mother I think had the first new car uh a hundred years ago when <laughs> she was working for the agency and then my brother I think may have bought a new car recently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that that fifteen, twenty year plus gap. <laughs> gap. That's yeah. the gap right there. Okay. That's the gap for new cars. That's funny. But we had nice cars. They were nice hoopties, but well, they were nice. When you have a skill set like that, mm-hmm. why why would you? I know, right? Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, if you got a friend, shoot, you gotta <laughs> take your car over to the friend. You say your car is knocking. Let me tell you, don't go to a mechanic. They're gonna say you need a whole new engine. It's not. <laughs> it's it's not. probably something very simple. Maybe you just need a oil change. <laughs> not, that's probably more likely than not for most. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I didn't really believe in mechanical work until I had to replace the door seal, like the rubber seal on my door, mm-hmm. and my father just for. Just for giggles. He was like, take this down the street to the uh, mechanic and get a quote on how much they're going to charge you to replace the door seal. I said, okay. Took it down the street. Me and my oblivious dumb self took it down the street. <laughs> and um, he said, oh, it's going to cost $300 to replace the door seal, the oh. rubber door seal. Now, for those of y'all who don't know what the rubber door seal is, the rubber door seal is that sealant that's on the inside of your door that keeps water and bugs and dust and all the other craziness that you don't want inside your door, inside your car, when your window is up close. That's and, what that is. And noise. And noise, yes. yes. 
Uh, that's what that little rubber tubing is. So he says, $300. Oh, all right, this is going to do, boy. Go on down to the advanced auto store, get this rubber seal, and then get some glue. Matter of fact, I think I have some glue, but get some freshman glue anyway. So I go all the way down there, get the stuff, come back. The seal was like maybe, maybe $8 to cover the whole door. And then the glue was like some change. Yeah. So for like $10, we replaced the sealant. <laughs> and he was like, here, rip all this seal off, take this little sandpaper, get the excess residue off, and then put the new seal on. I said, okay, wow, that was great and easy and quick. Okay. Never again will I take my car to yeah, mechanic. A, a mechanic. How, how long did it take you? Um, probably like 10 minutes. Wow, so yeah. that's like $250 a, a 10 minutes later. Mm-hmm. I should have charged myself. Should have been a mechanic. I know, right? Really? <laughs> My goodness. I feel like if anybody over here is a mechanic, they're going to be like, no, he didn't do it right. No. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. Guaranteed <laughs> you did. You just <laughs> mad I said it. Yeah. <laughs> you did. So Go back funny. to YouTube. Oh, man. So if, if you were so into that, mm-hmm. I mean, was that strictly... Did you... I guess what I'm asking is, you didn't go into that professionally as a no. career. Mm-mm. Was that because you viewed that as, as labor and Mm-mm. it wasn't something you enjoyed? Not, or? not at all. Labor? Oh, no, gosh, shoot. I'm a child that had chores. <laughs> these, yes. kids, these kids today who don't have chores, anything you <laughs> give them from taking out the trash to having to clean up their own room, they consider labor. Yeah. That was just waking up in the morning <laughs> to do something. It's like, <laughs> I, had a, I had a friend who didn't know how to iron her own clothes. And I had to teach her how to iron her own clothes. Mm. I said, what do you usually do? She's like, oh, I usually send my clothes out and they come back without iron. wrinkles. And they come back clean. I'm like, does your mom do this? Like, yeah. Your parents do your own clothes? No, they had that other kind of money. They sent their stuff away. <laughs> but then but then I said, oh, I take it you don't do your own lawn service or your own like you don't cut your own grass. Mm-hmm. And she says... No, do you? I said, yes, I am the goddamn lawn service. What are you talking about? I am the weed whacker and the lawnmower and the bagger and the cedar and the overseeder and the fertile. I am that person. Hello. That is because your father's not an idiot. No. 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 He says, go outside to cut the grass. Grass needs to be cut. Go, go cut it. Mom says, hey, the room needs to be vacuumed. You wake up, you do your morning. You have like your morning chores, you know? Sure, yeah. So we had the dust using Pledge. Those who don't know what Pledge is, look it up. <laughs> Pledge in a dirty rag. You have to use a dirty rag. If you use a clean rag, let me tell you. If you use a clean rag, that table is not going to get as clean as you want it to get. If you use a dirty rag, <laughs> not one that's dirty with, like, you know, dirt and dirt and green, uh, shoot, grease and grime and all that other craziness. No. One that has been used. It's seasoned. It's saturated with the Pledge <laughs> um, pine... Whatever it is. Yeah. Cleaner. You have to use that one. That is the cleaner that's going to get the table clean and spotless and glistening. Nice and shiny. Just like the photo. Life hacks from Life, ha- life hacks right there. <laughs> yeah, that was like morning chores. Yeah. But with the mechanic thing, when my dad was at home and we needed to fix the car, that's when we would do things like, you know, with nice. the car. And since I was homeschooled as well, that would be like part of the class. This is a shop class. Yeah, like a little small shop class. Fair enough. It wasn't really class. It was more like, hey, we got to change the tire. Can you help me? Yeah. And when your parents say, can you help me? It's not really a question. It's, more, not, like, yeah. it's more like when you finish eating, come outside and help me until it's done. So I'm going to start eating really slow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah eat really slow. Um, did you see that? I mean, maybe now more so, but at the time, I, I can only imagine that was a really big bonding time. Yeah. Did you feel that way? Yeah. Yeah, it was a bonding time. I mean, you find time, I think, 
you know, in my experience with my father, whether it's outside playing baseball and just mm-hmm. playing catch or, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has those moments where you're like, oh, this is my time with my dad. This oh, is my time yeah. with my mom. Oh, yeah. All that time was bonding time. Because, I mean, uh, you know, you always want to share something with your children. Sure. You always want to, like, pass down a trait or a skill or something. You know, mm-hmm. even with mom, it's either, like, my mom, she likes, my mom loved to cook. Now, she doesn't like to cook now because she's up there in age. But she's <laughs> like, you know what? I'm just going to go out and order something or whatever. But my mom, <laughs> yeah. us growing up with all the kids we had, she cooked. She cooked all the time. Okay. So, doing things together in the kitchen with cooking. Um, that was like her thing or going on vacation you know that family time was always great with my dad those to like pass down like traits or skills or something that they can take on and say oh I got this from my father right um, yeah that was good bonding time for us did your mom teach you how to cook I'm sorry did your mother teach you how to cook or did she just cook for you Oh, she just cooked. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, my mom, I will say that growing up, my mom did not teach me how to cook. And it wasn't deliberate. She just, that just wasn't something we did, really. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, she cooked all the time, but it wasn't like a, hey, come in the kitchen, help me season these greens, or help me fix this pork chop or chicken. Sure, it wasn't anything yeah. like that. We did bake cookies together, so that, she did teach me how to do bake cookies and make some bomb coffee. Because I love coffee growing <laughs> yeah. up. And, and toasting a bagel and fixing eggs. She did teach me how to do that. So mom did do yeah. more than you realize. Now that mm-hmm. now you've listed all these things. Yeah. You were, she never taught me anything. You weren't sent out unprepared. She never taught me how to do nothing. <laughs> well, she taught me how to do spaghetti Actually, and toast and some eggs and some this. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on, 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 on. That's funny. Well, you that's men- not nothing. <laughs> you mentioned the bureau. What did your, uh, your mother do? My mom said that if I... <laughs> I asked my mother this when I was younger... Um, I believe she worked in communications, but my mom said, uh, what did she say? I said, Mom, what do you do for a living? She said, I work for the agency. I said, what does that mean? She said, Alice, if I, took, if I told you, I have to take you outside and shoot you. I said, oh. Does <laughs> that mean you're not going to tell me? That's, <laughs> yeah, that's the end of the conversation. Is that, is that the end of it? Yeah. Yeah, wow. but she worked, she worked for the agency uh, in communications department. Okay. Yep, in Virginia. Both mom and dad retired now. Absolutely. The... Uh, what do you call it? I know we've because we've spoken at length. Mom goes on a lot of vacations. Was yeah. that was that something growing up like in your childhood that was an annual thing or? Oh, it was. You know, when you have a lot of children, or not even a lot of children, when you have a large family mm-hmm. or a family, a suburban family, you have a household, you have a house, you have responsibilities, and you're not really, you know, doing big things. Sure, you know, you ball on a budget. So our vacation was usually hopping in the station wagon and going somewhere. For us kids, we didn't know where it was. It may have been down the street <laughs> yep. to watch the airplanes come in, or we could be, I don't know, like the next state over. Our vacations, we would go down to Florida. Uh, Florida was a big vacation spot. My mom loves Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach was one. Atlanta City was another one, the beach area. Um, North Carolina at, uh, was at Myrtle Beach? Mm-hmm. Myrtle Beach in North Carolina. Her sister lives in Raleigh, and that's where my grandmother was, too. So we have family down there. Right. My uncle lives down in Florida. He worked for Disney. So when we go down to Florida, that was, that I wouldn't say that was an annual trip. We went maybe a handful of times in our lifetime down to Florida. Um, driving, of course. Sure. There, because, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. there's six of us, but I mean, there's six of us total as far as like siblings. But when it came to like vacation time, it's usually like three to four of us. For the vacation time because we were a blended family. Okay. But uh, there was no airfare. I don't know what kind of pockets you think we have. <laughs> There's no airfare for freaking, you know, four kids and two parents. Yeah. And then you pay Disney fees Oof. on top of your accommodations, right. on top of food. Yep. It's like, y'all better go suck on some air and walk. <laughs> Something, <laughs> my goodness. 
But yeah, we were hopping the station wagon, go down there with my uncle working for Disney. He was able to get us discount tickets, plus utilizing those timeshare presentations and mm, yeah. and finding those discounts and things. That's how you make it work. Sure. People who think that those things are a joke or a scam, let me tell you. Yes, it may be a little bit of scam to sell a timeshare, but you better get that free ticket that comes with it. You better get that seventy five dollar voucher to gift card. Yes, yes, yes. They work those. Um, they work those discounts. Absolutely. They work those deals. Well, and you so, have that many mouths to feed. Uh, yeah. Cut corners where you can. Yep, and you cook everything. Oh we, yeah. We brought food from home. We loaded up in the station wagon, put it in the cooler, wrap it in aluminum foil, plastic wrap the whole nine. Sometimes we'd get down there and we'll go grocery shopping and my mom would still cook food for us. Sure. That's the way you can save money. But yeah, we, we had a lot of um, family trips and vacations, uh, Smithsonian's, museums. Um, yeah. yeah, we did a lot. It's interesting because, you know, I have, uh, with my family, when we went on vacation, very similar. Mm-hmm. Everybody piles in the station wagon. Mm-hmm. We go for a trip. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, at least to my knowledge, my mom would plot it out. I mean, we're talking like the big Atlas map in your lap map and saying, okay, this is where we're going to go. Mm. My mom would prepare games for us to play and stuff like that in the car and all kinds of stuff. And we would go drive everywhere because to your point, the first time I flew, I was quite young, but it was to go see my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't recall a time ever that the entire family has been on an airplane together. That was just financially it was just not an option mm-hmm. and not to say like oh we were so dirt poor my parents may contest that but it's expensive to, to the point yeah like it is not cheap to nope. fly a whole family of six seven eight people you know what i mean mm-hmm. so there's something to be said for how many people have piled into a station wagon yeah you know you see it, the younger kids especially whom we work with mm-hmm. would probably scoff at that idea yeah like oh a station wagon. They don't even make those anymore. They don't know nothing. But <laughs> they don't know anything. It is crazy. They know to how to. They know how to go through airport security. Yes. <laughs> they yes. don't know how to get in a station wagon or a minivan. Yeah. Or sit there and play a video game to keep themselves company. <laughs> well, we never. Uh, we never had a family member at Disney, so I didn't actually go to Disney until probably three or four years ago. Oh wow. Uh, we went my like senior year to Southern California and mm-hmm. had a trip, and my parents said we can go to Disney or Knott's Berry Farm. And as a senior in high school, I said, that's a no-brainer. We're going to Knott's Berry Farm. There's mm-hmm. way more roller coasters. So somehow I manipulated my siblings into choosing that as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. So mm-hmm. until I grew up and went on my own, to my knowledge, like I said, I don't know that my parents have ever been to Disneyland or Disney World. Oh, wow. And to to what end? Now, I mean, my I know my mom. I've taken her to Universal, and mm-hmm. she gets all in the Harry Potter world and all that stuff. So yeah. that's nice. But in, uh, in those family vacations on your side... Because you were homeschooled, did that allow for more of those like let's go watch the airplanes come in closer getaways, or was that still? That was still. I mean, of course, we did more of that with homeschooling because you have more time Mm -hmm. and more flexibility. um, With my parents being the facilitators of our curriculum, Uh, but we we did that anyway. Yeah, yeah, we did that anyway. Yep. Did you did you enjoy school? I mean, it's it's a different question because I think actually you're probably the first person I've interviewed that's, that's been homeschooled. Really? I, yeah, we talked about this. My Yay brothers, me. My brothers were homeschooled up until high school. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I've spoken to anyone who said, oh, I wish I wasn't homeschooled. I, I had such a terrible experience. Oh, I know some people like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it. 
Is that something that moving forward down the line at some point, if you have your own children, absolutely not, (laughs) not that much then. No, no. I mean, it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's not for everybody. I mean, the school systems in our area weren't the best. Wow, I said area. That is not a word. (laughs) Our school system in the area that we lived in, and we live in a very nice area. We live in suburbs for Washington, but the school systems weren't all that great. Mm-hmm. So my mom was like, you know what, I'm going to take you guys out of school because putting you all in the private school is not something we want to do. And she made the conscious decision to go part-time and homeschool us using the Abeka curriculum, which is based out of Pensacola, PCC. And um, it worked for us. I mean, it worked well with my skating too. Even though I hadn't really started skating much anyway, but um, it still worked alongside with it. Yeah, uh, with us being at home and following the curriculum and and being able to um, just go at our own pace, Fair so enough. it worked out well. But would I do it for my own kids? Probably not. I am hoping that I will be well off in my life where I can <laughs> afford to put them in a private school. Okay, nothing against public schools, but I think it just kind of depends on where you're at. Because there's nothing wrong with the public school. You have these amazing scholars that come out of a public school. Sure. So um, there's nothing wrong with it, but. I like the idea of having that extra, I guess, um, the extra academics that goes along with and the prestige that goes along with being in a private school. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I can see that. And uh, when you're talking about, you know, being homeschooled mm-hmm. and when you were younger, what uh, what brought about um, like the homeschooling initially? Because you mentioned it's not just you, it's your siblings as well. Was that something that was... Um, a reflection of yeah, your mom looking at the schools and be like, yeah, this is not mm-hmm. something I want. Yeah. Okay, so she did her research and was like, oh yeah, not okay. Yeah, that's why she put us in. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, when you were younger, mm-hmm. did you? I'm young now. What <laughs> are you talking about? <laughs> younger. younger. Ah, yes. As you're going through this, did you did you always know I want to be a performer? Or what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, anything I wanted to be. Um. Because some kids say, oh, I want to be a fireman. I no, I never had astronaut. that aspiration. Nope, never, no. nope, 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 never had that aspiration. I wish I did because that would make me less of an indecisive person than I am now. <laughs> but I am, um, I've always been considered a man of many traits, okay. but a master of none. So I can do so many different things I put my mind to. I've always been a visual learner or I would be one that would just figure something out on my own or create something, you know. Uh, but I never honed in on a certain thing. So my mom or, you know, parents, just like, you know, all parents do, they put their children in different sports, different things, see what they cleave to. You put them in basketball, put them in football, put them in baseball. Baseball, let me tell you, bat to ball, that does not make sense in my head. So that didn't work. (laughs) Put them in golf, lacrosse, whatever that thing is. Tennis, that wasn't for me. Even though I enjoy tennis now, Mm -hmm. but I never really learned, like, you know, the skills and technique of the game. Sure. Hockey, mm, not my calling. Uh, Football. I wanted to do football, but because I was a baby, my mom would not let me play football. <laughs> you know, I wanted, I wanted to crack somebody. I, tell you, I, went, I was a stocky <laughs> little somebody. I was ready to hit him. I just wanted to just, uh, just hit him real good. You're a violent child. I was, I was going to be an aggressive <laughs> little football player. Yeah. But she said no. Uh, they put me in track. I hated running. Uh, skating, I went for a friend's birthday party. Hated it because it was too damn cold. But I somewhat enjoyed it. Uh-huh. So my parents just like they took me again. I went with my best friend at the time, Andrew, uh, from first grade, <laughs> and uh, we. Ev- I eventually grew to like it, and since that was something I started to like, 
my parents were like, well, you know, this is a local skating rink. It's in our neighborhood. We didn't know it was there. Um, they put me in group classes, just like, you know, any other kid would. And I just learned and just kept going from there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> when someone asks you now, mm-hmm. you walk outside, says, hey, Alex, what do you do for a living? What is your response? What's your official title in your mind? Official title in my mind. I am a figure. No, I usually say I'm the guy that never shuts up at Disney on Ice. <laughs> That's literally what I say. I'm yeah. the guy that does, I'm the guy that does not shut up at Disney on Ice. I'm like, oh, really? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> I said I'm a, I'm a figure skater. I, I skate. I'm a pro skater at Disney on Ice. Okay. What she say? And then, what about that? When I was on a cruise ship, I said I was a professional cruiser. Yeah. Yep, I'm a pro cruiser. Professional. Yep. Well, you do get paid to do it. So. I sure do. I'm a pro <laughs> cruiser. And then I'll say, if we're on the ship and we're having a good time, I'm like, I am your official party, party planner. That's what I'll tell them. You know that's an actual title. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you yes. held, apparently. I know. So if anybody like is hearing this and they need an official party planner that's not a cruise director... Call me up. <clears throat> I will we'll, plan we'll, their cruise. Well, that's your uh, contact information. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> while I'm on the ship. I have to have housing on the ship. And a guest cabin, please. Thank you very much. Full privileges. Three stars and above. There you go. That's a very small order, you ask. Don't ask me to attend any meetings, so I don't want to do that. Just <laughs> let me Just let me be on my own. Just leave me alone. Yeah. That's... <laughs> put, me, put me on the ship and leave me alone. Don't ask me no questions. Does not play well with others. <laughs> I do not want to be in packed drill. I don't want to be a part of that life. No muster stations for me. <laughs> what uh, what attracts you most to your job? What attracts me most to my job? Well, it, well, the fact that I love it, I enjoy it. I enjoy the trait, the skill of what I do. Um, therefore, you know, if you have a skill that you love to do or something that you really enjoy that brings you pleasure and brings you happiness, do it. Enjoy it. You yeah. know, I was always told by uh, someone who I worked on Skater Crew with a long time ago. He says, you know, when your job becomes a job and it's stressful and it's a headache and it's making you miserable, quit. Do something mm. else. Yeah. You know, you can e- you can easily love a job for a season and get tired of it and then go do something else that you love to do, whether it's painting, you can pay for a living, whether you would be a photographer, you can be a photographer for a living. Um, we have once we had a skater who became a tattoo artist. You know, you find a new passion, a new skill, a new niche, and you run with it. It makes you happy. Yeah. You're able to make an income and support yourself in some kind of capacity. Go for it. Do it. Life so for me, I, for me, I enjoy it. I enjoy what I do for right now. <clears throat> Absolutely. Now, this is not the one that's going to buy the house. <laughs> this is not, this is not the, the trait that's going to buy the house on this platform. But it is a good stepping stone, and it satisfies for where we're at right now. So Disney Nice isn't going to put your kids in private school? Uh. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Maybe if you live in Thailand, uh, maybe. <laughs> you live in the, if you live in the Philippines, absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead and buy that apartment complex. <laughs> buy the whole building. <clears throat> when you uh, when you started skating, when on this timeline, then did you decide I want to do this for a living? Um, was there a particular moment or a con- competition? Well, or no. Well, actually, I was at my local skating rink, and the late Joe Thomas. Uh, who used to be a, one of the choreographers here at Disney Nice, a girlfriend of Judy Thomas. She saw me skating. She's known me for many years. And she said that, uh, she was like, you know, you'd be fantastic. No, actually, no, that's not what she said. She said, oh, Alex, you'll be fabulous in a nice show. I said, really? Fabulous. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> me? Fabulous. Hmm. And mind you, I heard that. First time I heard that. Okay. You know, in that context. Yeah. So, and mind you, you know, I'm at my local skating rink. I'm like, 18, 19 years old, and I'm over there doing Russian split jumps and butterflies and triple jumps and all that good stuff. I was very consistent growing up. 
but you do. But I was consistent growing up. <laughs> and she was like, you know, you'd be a fantastic, fabulous skater. I said, oh, thank you. So she said, would you love to do a nice show? I said, sure, whatever that means. And at the time, did not really know or really understand what the uh, the work side of Disney on Ice was. I'd gone to Disney on Ice performances before. Been to Pinocchio, seen Esau perform um, Pinocchio and D20. For those of you all who are listening... <laughs> Who don't know who Pinocchio is, on D20, <laughs> there is, in the story of Pinocchio, there's a guy by the name of Esau who does this huge Russian split jump in the ice show, every single show, in his solo. He's been doing that split jump for the last 30 years, and I saw him when I was in diapers. Ha! <laughs> Take that, Esau. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, so I didn't really know like the work side of it. Yeah. Uh, so when she asked me to be in it, I said, yeah, sure. She gave my info to Judy Thomas, who of course is the cast director of Disney on Ice today, and she offered me a contract, which was great. I had a good old going away send-off from my skating club and all of my homeschool buddies and family and friends, and then I came to tour. And, and I've been touring since. <clears throat> well, not to uh, really nail down a date here, but do you remember? A long that? time ago. <laughs> it was 2007. <clears throat> I was in June. No, it was in July, because we had rehearsals. And yeah. then we all went to go watch the fireworks somewhere. So it was July. Early July. Yep, early okay. July. Late and then June, early July. where did your first tour take you? First tour, we our first stop was Lakeland, Florida, which is where the headquarters was at the time, mm -hmm. um, at the Lakeland Center. And then we went to, we didn't play Orlando. We played like Tampa or something. So you were domestic. City. Yeah. Yeah, my first tour was a domestic tour, East Coast tour. Was that uh, maybe a bit more, I don't know, confidence building for mom and dad were they nervous at all for that uh no they were good mm, they were fine get out the house <laughs> yeah yeah they were okay with it okay i mean maybe a little nervous but not really it okay. wasn't like a call me every day i'm gonna come see you every two cities nothing like that it was like hey call me okay cool great you doing well all right bye <laughs> you know we are enjoying life yeah okay. yeah you're fine so this is an interesting question especially with disney on ice because there's a lot of um i guess misconceptions and there's mm -hmm. a lot of uh just I don't know, myths, let's say. Like, okay. Oh, this is Disney on Ice, and this is what people see and they think. This is the myth buster <laughs> side of the interview. <laughs> what do you think is the biggest myth about Disney on Ice that turns out actually isn't true? Uh, one of the biggest myths of Disney on Ice that actually isn't true. Mm -hmm. um, oh, <laughs> this is a good one. Um, all the performers play multiple characters. There you go. That's one of the biggest myths. People think that just if you see a jellyfish out there on the ice, random character. I don't know what movie that might be from. I don't know. Maybe it's from like Aladdin. If you see if you see a jellyfish on the ice, mm -hmm. don't believe that that jellyfish is the only jellyfish and that's the only role that they play. No, that is one of probably twelve costumes or twelve characters that that one solo skater will portray in a night show. In that single show. In that single show. Absolutely. Yes. Fair enough. Yep. Yeah. I, That's I, one of the biggest myths. I don't think I one realized, uh, as an out, outsider coming mm -hmm. into this world, the idea that that uh, Aladdin, for example, would do anything but Aladdin. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably fairly common. Yeah. Actually. Very common. Yeah. That's like one of the questions <laughs> I got all the time. Like, oh my God, you were a lamppost. Yeah, I was a lamppost. Is that the only thing that you do? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I am yep, I am the lamppost that you see and I'll be the lamppost until the day I die. Uh, 
well, that's one of the myths. And the other myth is that um, that it's a recorded track. A lot of people think that the track is live. Mm-hmm. It is not live. They think that we're singing. It's not singing. We're palomating. But as far as like hosts, but what I do now today, Isabella and myself, the two hosts, we are live. 100%. 100% live. Yeah. If people don't think we're live, come see the show, listen to me sneeze, and watch me address it. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we go. <clears throat> I, or you come in late, I'm going to call you by name. <laughs> I feel that question a lot, actually, mm-hmm. from guests and from ushers. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, all these people singing, they they sound amazing. And usually it's not, is are Alex and Isabella actually speaking? Are they live mic'd? Mm-hmm. It's, wow, Moana sounds just like the movie. Like, she's so good. Oh, that's or because Val- she rehearsed backstage with, <laughs> the, with the instruments. Hello? Yeah, Sarah Dalton is amazing. Don't let anybody so, sing out there. My gosh. Yeah. Eric and Ariel just yeah so it's mm-hmm. it's really interesting and then conversely those people that see it uh, for example the ushers they see it over and over again yeah is uh, is Alex is that his real name or is that just his <laughs> stage name right mm-hmm. and uh, 99.9% of the time in fact 100% of the time I've always told him nope that's his name yep that's my name that's so me. it, it <clears throat> becomes a little more difficult if you start making up names mm-hmm. but uh, yeah <laughs> you know what's so funny like when we used to be on the concourse we were uh, running into people and they'll call me by name mm. uh, during the intermission is after they've heard me and they you know they've talked to me for a little bit sure they'll say Alex and I'll turn around I go hey what's up and they're like oh we didn't know you were gonna like turn around because we didn't think that was your name I said didn't you hear me say my name was Alex what'd you think <laughs> I introduced myself at I the introduced myself the show. weren't you listening <laughs> How and, how did you get that name? I know. And the funny <laughs> thing is that, you know, we joke around. That's actually how I respond. That's really how I respond to people. I'm like, weren't you listening? Where were you at? You were late, weren't you? See, I knew it. I knew you showed up just for intermission. Uh, you don't know nothing. You need to get your refund and come back another day and see the whole show. <laughs> well, speaking of names, uh, it, it's something I always find interesting. Did you ever have a nickname, like, growing up? Did anybody give you a nickname? Well, my brother gave me a nickname growing up was Acorn. I think it was because I had a big head. That might be it. <laughs> That's probably the reason. But yeah, he used to call me Acorn. You never asked him. No. Hey, man, why you call me Acorn? No. Okay. No. But then again, I mean, here on tour, I have, uh, well, I don't have Acorn, but I have Alex Allen. They call me by, they call me by my first and last name. Yeah. Uh, a squared, double A, not to be confused with triple A, but double A. <laughs> and hey, you. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. you. Yeah. Who the hey, locals you. call you that or who calls you that? Uh. <laughs> Sometimes Isabel will call me that. Like, hey, you. I'm like, oh, you forgot my name for a oh. second? <clears throat> we only worked together for the last however many years. I know, right? That's funny. It's like, my goodness. Uh, I, I don't know. It, and it seems like it would be an interesting conversation to have with your brother with Acorn because mm-hmm. often nicknames are, are given. You don't, well, as you know, you don't get to make up your own name. I think it's because of my head. Okay. I'm pretty sure if you look at a baby picture of myself, my head is exactly the same. <laughs> like, my head and facial structure look the same. Yeah, that's really funny. I can honestly look back at myself and say, you know what? That looks just like me. Yeah. Because <laughs> some people look at their own picture and they're like, I, I don't see the resemblance in my own self when I was little. Yeah. I see the resemblance 100%. I can see myself. What I don't see, uh, interestingly enough, is, it, well, it's, it's very rare. I have seen it, is Kai. Because <laughs> people will see a picture of Kai and like, oh, he looks just like you. And mm. I see him like, yeah, I mean, I see traits and characteristics that look very similar. But to me, maybe as his father, I see him as himself. I don't see yeah. myself in him. I see a lot yeah. of mannerisms mm. and personality traits and behaviors that he does that like, oh, yeah, that's my fault. Well, that's like, that's like the same when we look at our, um, 
with uh, pictures of our parents and we say, oh, you know, people say that we look like our dad, we look like our mom. We don't really see it. Yeah. I scared myself one time because I sure as hell didn't see it until I saw a picture on the mantle and I was like, hmm, when did I take that picture? <laughs> Turns out it was not me. It was my dad. <laughs> I was like, wow, I look just like my father. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Yep, I don't recognize. When did I have bell bottoms? <laughs> I know, right? When did I wear that? I don't have any leather jackets like that. <laughs> That's so funny. What was I thinking? You know, I, I've had conversations with your mother and, and have mm-hmm. been privy to many as well. And your mother seems like every other mother. She's a trip. She's mm-hmm. amazing, yeah. When, when I have time with my mom mm-hmm. and my dad, but mom's just guilty of it more often, I feel like. Mm-hmm. She has a tendency to tell the same stories over and over again. Especially if I bring friends or family over and say, hey, mm-hmm. uh, oh, did I tell you, the t- have you heard the story about this and the whatever? If I said to your mother... Tell me a story that will make Alex that will make Alex embarrassed or make him laugh. What's your mom? Does your mom have a go-to story? Oh, we're not really. No, we always have. (laughs) We have new material every time, (laughs) all the time. Okay. And the the beauty about uh, my mom, my dad would tell some of the same stories, but my mom always got this new material. I don't know where she gets it from, but she has this new material hot off the press (laughs) that she comes out with. So it'll be a new story. Any, like, funny, embarrassed... I don't really have any embarrassing stories. I don't know. There's nothing that really embarrasses me. So, yeah, I just kind of just roll with it, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, because it's the story of my life, right? It's yeah. what, it's what it kind of defines you. All these stories, they, they help to shape and mold your character and personality. So, you just roll with it. But my mom telling old stories? Mm, no. She would tell a story about a trip that we went on recently. Yeah. Uh, something we did or something we may have said. Or if you say something, it becomes a memory jogger. Uh, you know, yeah. she may say something funny that happened, you know, jogging her memory, but yeah. she's not going to pull out a story. But like, oh, yeah, back when he was 13 years old. Mm. No. Now, if you ask, like, mm. for a childhood specific story, oh, how was it when he was, like, 13 growing up? She'll say, um, he didn't give us any trouble growing up. He was, because <laughs> like I said, I was to myself all the time. Yeah. I just, you know, I just did my own damn thing. <laughs> Yeah, well, we don't we don't do stuff like that. that we have, we have <clears> material. That's really funny. Uh, I, I just assumed every every family has that. Like, mom, you told the story like ten times. Too. Oh no, that's mm-hmm. your dad then, maybe. That's my dad. My dad okay. would tell the same story multiple times. Yeah, funny. he would. Yeah, and he'll tell us if it happened last week, which is fine. You know, yeah, there's no here, no there. But do your thing. My mom, <laughs> she would just crack you up with with new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I want to go back a little bit to your. your she should be a comedian. Y- yeah. Well, uh, I think she would do very well on stage. Uh, I know, live right? performance, yeah. Yeah, she says she's sorry. I don't know where she got that from. <laughs> she didn't get that from me. No. I sure as hell didn't get it from her. If, Actually, I probably did. If we go through your career, specifically with Disney on Ice, mm-hmm. how long did you skate with Disney on Ice before you left the company? Uh, nine consecutive years. Nine, nine and a half consecutive years before I left and went to Royal Caribbean. Okay, so then when you were with Royal Caribbean, I mean, I know because we've spoken about it, mm-hmm. your, uh, your experience on there... Lived the best life of my life. Yeah. Best life of my life. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Even my best life had a best life. Yeah, the, so it's the best of the best. Yeah. How long my did you... My life was like, oh, my life is good. My life was like, yo, I am enjoying the hell out of this. You keep going. You just keep on doing this. How long did you do that? I did two contracts. Two contracts on the uh, Southern Caribbean tour, which was St. Martin, St. Lucia, St. Thomas, Barbados, um, Martinique every now and then, Granada. Every now and then we'll go to St. Croix. I think the first tour we did St. Croix uh, every other week which was great that was like the beach town mm. where the locals were 
and they knew we were crew members, so we would go off there and uh, get our uh, three dollar mai tais and rum punch, <laughs> sit down on the beach, play with the little dogs, enjoy life. It was wow. wonderful. But yeah, I was on there for Dukan Drag Southern Caribbean tour. Uh, the show was called Cool Art Hot Ice. Um, it was a like I think a middle class ship, so it wasn't their large fleet and it wasn't their smallest fleet. So it was the it was a voyage class ship, I believe it was called, which means they had the theater. And they had the ice rink. Okay. So that's like voyage class. And I know we've spoken about it as well, but Royal Caribbean for a very long time was the only fleet that had ice shows. They are right? still the only fleet that has an ice show. Okay. So yeah, I don't think I don't think Virgin has ice shows. I think theirs are just stage. Yeah, they're just yeah. stage. They have like stage performances. Like all the ships have stage perform stage performances and um, you know, like singers and dancers mm-hmm. and the comedian or like a specialty act or something. Right. But uh, Royal Caribbean, I believe they are the only ones that have live ice, actual ice, real ice, with a skating performance on So there. did Flo get picked up by Royal Caribbean then? Who? Our, we have a mutual friend. It didn't Flo uh, take a contract as a skater? Yes. On a cruise line? Mm-hmm. Royal Caribbean? Yep, he was on the uh, uh, Oasis of the Seas. Okay. Yeah, he played the king role. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, as he should. Uh, I know, right? Yeah. He and his goofy self. <laughs> yes. So did you leave the cruise ships to come back to Disney and Ice? I left the cruise ship. My contract was up. Yeah. And I wanted to do a... Um, actually, no. I, well, my contract was up. I didn't get renewed for another contract. Uh, why to this day? I'm not really sure at the time. But at the time, I wanted to do a holiday show. Not holiday on ice. Uh, holiday as in like, you know, the season. Christmas time. Like a Christmas time show. Okay. So... I uh, reached out to Karen Kresny at Woodstock Productions, who has the show at Knott's Berry Farms and also one at, um, not San Diego. Is it San Diego? Somewhere else on there in one of the parks. Uh, okay. I think maybe it is in San Diego. But anyway, I did the one at Knott's. She offered me the contract um, as their male soloist, and I did that contract for the season. It was fantastic. Worth- I will say I loved it. I loved it. Was it <clears throat> kind of what you had hoped for? Um, not necessarily. It was different because um, I was coming from the cruise ship, so I already knew about the small ice surface, which, so that was great. I was already I was already adapted to it. Um, but coming out to the West Coast, I wanted to get into the whole like acting field. So you know, when people go out to the West Coast, they go out to like New York and they go to L.A. or they go to Georgia, you know, um, to start their acting career. They usually go out there with no money, no job, no income, no place to live, no car, no house, no nothing. Hope for the best. Yeah, hope for the best. That's <laughs> why they call them starving artists. Right. That is terrifying. So, <laughs> not to say that I can't, you know, do it. Yeah. But um, I think it's just better to be able to go out there on some income. So that's fair. I took the job, even though she did not provide housing. It was totally fine. Um, but it gave me an opportunity to not only have a relationship with a new employer, a new director. Producer Karen Kresny, who was absolutely fantastic, fabulous, mind you, she was great. <laughs> uh, loved her to pieces. A joy to work with or work for, you know, for that matter. She um, really values every performer that comes to her ice stage, and she takes pride in the work that she does, and she takes pride in your craft as long as you take pride in it as well. So she was great to work for, but it allowed me to be able to dabble in to the acting side of all that LA has to offer. Okay. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. You did that. And then was that immediately after that that Disney and Ice came calling? Or came calling. 
Nobody comes calling. You got to reach out and get it. This <laughs> is so not what you know is who you know. They say, if you don't know nobody, guess what? Ain't nobody going to call you. Yeah. You better you better be doing something and reach out and call people. So Disney on Ice and say, Alex, we miss you so much. Please come back. We'll give you whatever uh, you want. Absolutely not. Uh, they, uh, I was doing a, a host acting class, and I was doing a commercial class. All this is happening simultaneously while I'm skating in the show. The show sure. So I'm doing the shows, and then either late at night, I'll either, I'll, I think I had a hosting class. No, I had a commercial class that I was taking up in Burbank. Oh, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. No, there was a commercial class I was taking in West Hollywood mm-hmm. at night. So I would do my shows at Knott's, finish the show at like, I don't know, 7.30, 8 o'clock, and then leave, get in my car, drive from Westminster or from where Knott's Bay Farms is, which is not far away. Carlsbad or something, right? Yeah. Go all the way up, take the highway, sit in traffic yep. until I get to West Hollywood, do my class. We started at like 10, 10.30 in the evening. Mm-hmm. Class went into about maybe almost midnight. Mm. And then from there, depending on what I had to do the next morning, because we didn't really have morning shows. We had afternoon, evening shows. Sure. So I would go to West Hollywood party for a little bit because <laughs> you got to make the most of it i mean you're already up there and you don't want to fall asleep so you figure if you go party for a few minutes it'll wake you up and then i would drive back down to westminster and then if i got like background work uh background work for those of you all who are watching who are listening background work are those people who aren't really doing any kind of speaking in a tv show sitcom or movie they're called background so or extras mind you yes so i would get like a lot of extra work and background work why? Because it not only passes the time, but you make money. And then you can also potentially get your psych va- uh, vouchers and your uh, your union vouchers and stuff that you want to get okay. to accumulate um, mm. to be able to get a SAG card. Sure. But it also gives you recognition and experience. So I took a lot of background work mm. um, working on set. So I would sometimes have to go back to my, my accommodations, wake up early in the morning, be on set in Burbank at like 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, be there all day long. Sometimes up until, you know, late into the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even sometimes being there until early afternoon, sit in traffic for 10,000 hours, trying to get back <laughs> down to Westminster, back down to, to Knott's Berry Farms, skate a show that evening, yeah. and then do it all over again. Goodness. Yeah, it was, it was a hustle. So coming back, oh. where did Disney on Ice come in then? Oh, yeah. Okay, so that was when I was doing my hosting <laughs> class. I was about to get to that. <clears throat> yeah. So when I was doing my hosting class, uh, at uh, Carolyn Berry uh, Host Acting Institute Whatever that place is uh, We were doing our slates And I did my slate Which was all centered around a donut Because my inner fat kid was meeting my outer fat kid And wanted everybody else to know about it I was doing my slate And um, they was like, you know It's not what you know, it's who you know in this business they said, We don't care where you went to school at We don't care who you studied under It's all about who you know in this business. If you don't know nobody, you better go mingle somewhere. Mm. Like go to a bar, go to a club, go to an art gallery, some or or find like some kind of work. Start networking. Start networking. Yeah. So I thought, hmm, who do I know? I know Judy Thomas. I know Disney on Ice. I have a relationship with them. I worked for them for nine years touring as a skater. They have hosts available on their show, and this is what I would like to do. I need that kind of experience. So let me send an email. So I sent an email initially because my contract was coming to an end um, as a skater because the season was going was up. It was already after Christmas. And I sent an email initially uh, requesting break work uh, on a show. Just like, can I just skate on a show? You know, gives me some time to figure out what I'm going to do next. Sure. And then I sent another email afterwards because I hadn't heard anything. So maybe she didn't get it. So then I <laughs> said, you know, hey, Judy, I noticed that you guys are 
you are incorporating host live hosts on your shows well if you're looking for a live host who is energetic who you know can also skate and has great personality i was talking i was hyping myself up. absolutely i tell yeah. you i was i was doing my own freaking dating profile right there <laughs> i said i'm your man call me i would love to be considered there you go yeah so yes yeah, so of course she called me and they hired me as one of the hosts on d35 the rest is history. The rest is history. Okay. Well, not that far history. <laughs> the, rest is, <laughs> yeah. the rest is still going. Well, so in all of this, uh, you know, career advancement and training and mm-hmm. classes you've taken, and you're very self-motivated. Mm-hmm. What would you identify as the best career advice you've ever gotten? The best career advice that I've ever gotten? Yeah. Um, oh, the best career that I, advice that I've ever gotten was from a friend of mine named Theron James. We were on the phone. This was, this was when I was in transition going from Disney on Ice to the cruise ship mm-hmm. and I was like I don't know what I'm going to do next I can't figure things out this is crazy I want to do more there's got to be more to this what am I going to do he said Alex you are talented and you are gifted go out into this world and go be talented that's what he told me that's the best advice that he possibly gave me because yeah. from there I redid my resume right away submitted it and got hired that's what I did he says you take your talent go out into the world and be talented that's awesome. That's all. That's what you do. That's great. You great take advice. it. Yep. Yeah. And I take that everywhere I go. I love it. The other question I uh, I like to ask is, what work would you do for free? What work would I do for free? Hmm. Like you enjoy it so much, like you know what? I would actually do that for free. Let's see. What work would I do for free? Um, I'll sharpen your skates for free. <laughs> <laughs> you love it that much. You need me to pick up your coffee? I can pick up your coffee for yeah, free. Yeah. yeah, sure. Is there work that I would do for free? Mm. It will, if it was for a good cause, okay. I would do it for free. What if would I, I do a lifetime? No. What if I gave you the stipulation that money isn't really a concern of you at this point when you're making this decision? Mm-hmm. You, you have all the money you can handle. It's not a big issue. Mm-hmm. Say, I need something to, to pass the time. What what would you choose to do with your time? Oh, you mean like a hobby? Yeah. Let's oh say that. shoot! What? Okay, that case. That, we'll change the narrative then. Yeah. We'll now it's a, now it's a hobby. Now you got all kinds of time to kill. What let's are you see. Do? What would I do for free as a hobby? Um, it has to be something that normally people get paid to do. Be like, you know what? I don't need the money. I would do that for free. Hmm. What would I do for free? What would I do for free? What would I do for free? This is one of those questions maybe I should have given you in advance. No, 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 no. I, I, know, I know the answer. I'm just thinking oh. about which one I'm going to use. Okay. Um, you have multiple. Yeah. Okay. I would... I would help direct a project for free. I love it. Yeah. That doesn't, I would help do for free. It doesn't necessarily have to be ice. No. It doesn't have to be ice. It could be, it could be anything. I love it. It could be a, a okay. commercial kind of set. It could be a short film. Sure. It could be just like tossing around ideas, brainstorming, being a part of a creative team. I would do that for free. That's awesome. Yeah, that I would do for free. Okay. I enjoy it. Well, as a man who has traveled and is, I would deem, quite cultured. Well, you know, <laughs> I say. What? This is a, an, another fun question. What's something that you think everyone should do at least once in their lifetime? Go overseas. Anywhere in particular? Um, I love the Philippines. Okay. I'm a huge fan of the Philippines. I like them so much, more so than Europe. Europe is great. Europeans got nothing against y'all. Whatever. You guys are great. <laughs> but the Filipinos over there on that side of the world, those people are extremely humble. Oh, my good gracious. So they don't really have much. They don't really have much to begin with. The income, the government is corrupted. 
income is like little to none. It's very, very minimal. Our money goes a whole lot of ways over there. Yeah. You can do anything that you want. You can go over there and live like a king. I was there working. I had a massage every other day. Not because I needed it. Because <laughs> I could. You know, a massage was $6. Yeah. With inflation, it's probably $10 now. Yeah. You know, food. You get amazing food for like, you know, pennies on a dollar. You can go vacation in Boracay for cheap flights, round-trip flights for like $50 to $80, you know, stay in amazing accommodations. You can you can live out there for a whole month for like three to $500, you know, and still live like a king like that. You know, you can totally do that, yeah. which is why people go to Thailand. Sure. And the people are beautiful, but the people in general, uh, they may not have much, but they're going to treat you like family, and they're going to treat you with the utmost respect. And... Though everyone can sing in the Philippines. Every Filipino can sing. <laughs> you, you show me a Filipino that cannot sing, and I'll call you a liar. That's it. <laughs> like, no, no, no. He's playing with you. He He's can just sing. That guy can sing. He can sing. That's so funny. I saw him on TV. He can sing. <laughs> but yeah, but they have so much joy. They yeah. have so much joy. They enjoy living. They enjoy life. They're very grateful. Every gift that they have is mm. to be cherished. That's and awesome. to be appreciated. So that's why I like the Philippines. Shout out to the Philippines. I know, right? Come on now. Mm. Well, it's and funny. They love, they love me some <laughs> me. They love my skin. Yeah, I bet they... <laughs> As I'm still trying to rub in the shade. Right? <laughs> no one loves skin. your skin more than you. I know, right? <laughs> I only get one. In Polynesia, the Samoans are known as the happy people. Mm. So it's interesting. I think there's a correlation with the South Pacific and just in general. People mm-hmm. just happy. What's not to be happy about? Right? I know, right? So. Yeah. Yep. Any day above ground is a good day. Well, so uh, I'll give you another opportunity to brag about yourself. <clears throat> oh, what, you know. what would you argue is something that you were exceptionally good at? Oh, gosh. Exceptionally good at? Hmm. Making up a story. <laughs> I agree. I think you're a really good storyteller. Yeah, there you go. I'm a good storyteller. What is something you're epically bad at? Telling a lie. No, um, <laughs> hmm. Epically bad at sparing numbers. There you go. So for the listener who's not familiar with the uh, uh, terminology here, sparing is when you would go in and say, I guess the term would be substitute. Yeah. You fill in for someone. Yeah, you fill in for someone else. So you've traded spots almost. Yeah. Not okay. that I'm horrible at it. <clears throat> like, oh, oh, listen you, uh, No, you've already yeah, said you're epically like, bad at it. like, I thought he was a professional skater. <laughs> yeah. Just for y'all out there. You can be a good skater, but you can suck at sparing. I suck at sparing. Not to say that it's horrible, but to my own standard, it's not up to par. So okay. I like to feel comfortable. I get bad anxiety. So when I'm sparing a number, even if it's one that I do every single week, once a week, I get nervous and I'm bound to mess it up. That's a perfect segue because mm-hmm. anxiety is very real. Oh, yeah. Um, what do you do personally to clear your mind? To clear my mind? I either go for a walk, or I listen to music, or I, uh, yeah, go for a walk or listen to music, or do some writing. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Is there a particular genre of music, or you just? I listen to a little, a little bit of everything. I listen to gospel music. I listen to R and B. I listen to uh, opera. I do love that, like just obnoxiously just heavy opera, high soprano. Mm. You know, just tenor belting like that kind of stuff that people cringe at i love that yeah oh yeah yeah where, where did that come from i don't know i think the opening of um the opening of phantom of the opera 
when they are <laughs> they're on scene before they bring in Miss Christine Daae, who was in the ensemble at the time. You had the uh, soprano. She was singing all these high notes, and people were putting like cotton in their ear. I'm yeah. like, no, 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 sing it, girl. Go. Just, just belt it out. <laughs> yes, that's it right there. Give it to him. That's just give it to him. <laughs> that right there, I love that. But but to be fair, I love anybody who can sing. So yeah. anybody who can really sing, not with all this auto tune and all this you know extra added bullshit. But who can really sing with the purity of their voice, whether it's trained or it's gifted? I love that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why um, there's this channel called uh, the Terrell Show on Instagram that I found. Oh, he's also on YouTube as well. But he features these singers, people, these artists who can just sing their faces off. Wow. And he'll play this song called like, like, um, was it like, it's like word association, song association, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he gives them a word that's typically in one of the songs that they wrote or they covered or whatever, uh. and they'll sing the song. And they, and there's no auto tune, there's no microphones, there's no nothing, but they will blow their faces all the way off. Amazing. Yeah, that right there is my song list. Is his show is my song list? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Terrell. Yep. All Terrell right. show. I'll have to tag that guy. All right. Um. So I gave you a handful of questions in advance. Didn't you ask them already? (laughs) (laughs) Some of them. My curiosity, which I really find fascinating, uh, has to do with something that's, I think, attainable for most people. But for you personally, in the last, let's say, six months of the year, Mm -hmm. what is a purchase that you've made under 100 bucks that has been just, I don't know, positive? Like that has positively changed my life or impacted me. Hmm. Hundred bucks or less. The last purchase that I've purchased, the last item that I purchased in the last six months that has been very beneficial to me. Right. I don't really buy that much stuff. I don't know. Under a hundred bucks. Hmm. Hmm. Whatever I purchase under a hundred bucks. Look, not to say that I'm a big spender because I am not. <laughs> I'm not a big spender. Yeah, but that's very beneficial to me. What if I don't limit you to the last six months? Say the last. Oh couple no, years. I mean I don't really buy things that often. So, yeah. last couple of years, is there something you spent less than hundred dollars on? You'd be like, that was an amazing purchase, and I'm glad I did. I, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure. Other than other than food. Because <laughs> I like to eat. I'm a junk food junkie. I'm telling you, I love I love cakes and pies and things. So sometimes when I have cake or a good meal, that right there is beneficial to me. It really does make me happy. Okay. I know that it kind of sounds wild. It's like, oh no, it's, it must be one kind of item. Yeah. Not really. Me when I have food, when I when I when I order something, I'm usually either ordering the same thing. When I go to a restaurant, I order the exact. That goddamn thing. <laughs> Why? Because I know what it's going to taste like. I have an expectation yeah. and it makes me very happy. Yeah. Same thing when I order a drink. If I go to a selective bar that I know makes fantastic cocktails, <clears throat> I, I meant apple juice, <clears throat> selective cocktails, um, and they make it a certain kind of way to my likeness, why in the hell am I going to stray away <laughs> on some other drink that I'm probably not going to like that's going to disrupt my mood? Yeah. I will not. I'm going to order something that's going to make me feel good on the inside. It's going to make me wonder and to be a memory jogger about some place that I've been in the world or somewhere I've gone or something I've done or creative idea that I came up with when I was sipping that beverage, you know, <laughs> or eating that food. Yes. I love, you know, you know like donuts. Mm-hmm. I love Krispy Kreme donuts. I do. I love duck donuts. They taste amazing. That maple bacon donut ain't nothing but the truth, which is what my slate was on. Yeah. You know, my, okay, full just, circle. Yeah, full circle. Just like I said, like it's a memory jogger. When I have like my maple bacon donut that yeah. sets you, it's so good, y'all, it will set you free. 
that was what my slate was on, and that was yeah. the that was the slate that got me the job today. So when I eat a maple bacon donut, which is what was in my slate of things that you like, sure, I'm reminded, oh, that's how I got this job. I talked about a donut. How about that? <laughs> And let me order another one. If that's not perfection, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's food, beverages. That is amazing. That can just, you know, do me some good for that point of time. I don't buy things that often. Mm. I don't, I'm not really, I don't like hoarding things. Mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't collect anything. Well, actually, no, I collect things now. I collect uh, bottle corks, like wine bottle corks or champagne corks because I do like red wine. I love red wine. So um, I do collect corks now after all these years. I just started in the last few <laughs> months. Yeah. But... Um, there's no material thing, small thing or big thing that I've purchased that I could say like that thing changed my life. Sure. No, not so much. Well, I would add to your collection list. Uh, you have more than a few pairs of glasses as well. Oh, I love my glasses. Yeah. Yeah. That could be the only thing that could be one thing that changed my life. There you go. Yeah. But I mean, your glasses for me, everything that I pick and choose, I'm very selective about anything that I have in my possession. When I go out to the store, I do a lot of window shopping. Why? Because I don't feel like spending everything that I put my hands on. <laughs> it has to. When I go to a store and they say, excuse me, sir, can I help you find something? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm waiting for something to jump out at me yes. and say, that works for you. That looks good on you. That's going to feel good on you. You're going to like it. It's not going to break the bank. You're going to get a lot of compliments on it, and you're going to love it. I don't have too many of those, uh, those <laughs> moments. Now, my glasses, I've yeah. always loved glasses uh, because I believe that your glasses define your personality they can help to frame your face you know they're supposed to frame your face but they really frame your face yeah and they bring out something in your personality so i have glasses that i wear for every well no all of my glasses every day but they reflect different moods that i'm in okay yeah that's why you have so many that's why i have so many moods i get different moods nothing wrong with that it's like happy (laughs) really happy (laughs) just happy enough he's doing okay he's bored (laughs) chill mood you know, want to be stylish and fly. Do not talk to me. Do not talk to me. No, that's when I take the glasses off so I can't see you clearly. That's, I take. that's when that one yeah, is. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. Uh, it's something I find interesting because I know maybe internally or externally for some, it's, it's very common to have a motto or something, a mantra, if you will, something, a quote that's uh, really stuck with you and live that you live by. Mm. If I gave you a billboard and mm-hmm. said, Alex, I'm going to... There are tens of millions of people are going to see this billboard. Mm-hmm. But you can only have the one. What are you going to put on your billboard? One word? Uh, a phrase, quote, oh. saying. Phrase, quote, saying. Something um, that potentially, you know, maybe um, metaphorically speaking, just get your message out. What would you tell the world? Uh, what would I tell the world? Um, let's see. I have like two, I have a few quotes. My gosh. Uh, one of them would be, um, uh, when you die, die empty. That's one. And basically what that says is, um, that's been my motto ever since I was younger. Mind you, I should do more of it because I'm not fulfilling it enough. But when you die, you want to die empty. What that means is that you do everything in this life that you want to do. Mm. You do. You take every opportunity, every risk. If you want to have a family, you have a family. Now, I'm not just saying go out and make babies. I'm not, I'm not saying that. <laughs> yes. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Do everything that is on your bucket list and more. So that when you are on your deathbed, when, you, when you're on your final countdown, you can actually look back and reflect and say, you know what? I'm good. I did it all. I, did. I nailed it. I did the damn thing. And you're empty. That's what, 
It's like when you die, die empty. I like That's that. one. Yeah. Um, um, the other the other phrase I would say is um, uh, before you die, just jump one good time. That is that. That is a quote from Steve Harvey, from his Steve Harvey show. I would love to hope it's a game show. Look, Steve Harvey, if you hear this, probably <laughs> probably won't. But if you hear this and you want to pass on your game show to somebody, look, do that. Look, I am the family feud. No. <laughs> somebody turn over number that one. That is great. Yeah. Turn number one, number one and see my name. <laughs> yeah. um, but he's, he always gives like these little spurts of information. Uh, not information. Inspiration. Yeah. At the end of his shows. And he was telling the story of how every good artist, every person who's made it big in this world sure. um, didn't just get there overnight. Right. I mean, granted, if you inherited that's your own story. We ain't talking about we, we ain't talking yeah. about y'all. Yeah. We ain't talking about y'all. But everybody right. else who has to work for it, mm-hmm. um, they've had to make some kind of take a leap of faith. Yes. Or they have to jump or make a sacrifice. Um, some people don't do it. Some people don't jump. Some people just are content of where they are. They're like, you know what, I enjoy this job. I enjoy taking my, my little paycheck. This is cool. I would love to do more, but I'm cool right where I'm at. Well, you never get a chance to experience what you could do. What your potentials or your full potentials are, you never you never get a chance to know because you're content where you are. At. Sure. So he says, in one life, you gotta jump, take a leap, and see what's out there, see what's gonna what's gonna happen. And when you leap, he said, um, you're gonna fall. He says, you're gonna you know you're gonna you're gonna get all scuffed up. You're gonna hit some rocks and stones. You're gonna get dirtied, and you know your elbow's gonna hurt. You might fall on your face. You might break your glasses. I don't know. <laughs> but at least you're gonna know what it feels like to fall. So what you do is that you get up, you dust yourself off, and you go jump again. Because now you've experienced the first jump. The first one is always the hardest one. But you go out and jump. And then he said, he says, he's fine. When you, um, if you feel like you're okay where you're at and you don't want to jump, you don't want to take no risk, don't want to do anything different than what you're doing right now, that's fine. Stay doing what you're doing. He says, but before you die, before you leave this earth, jump one time. Just jump once. That's it. And just see where it will take you. That's amazing yep. advice. Yep. That's uh, my second thing. I love that. Can Do you recall uh, who said the first? I said Steve Harvey. No, the first one. Oh, the first one? Oh, that was just me. That, oh. <clears throat> uh, I, 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 tag me on that one. <laughs> the tag wisdom on of Alex Allen. Yep. I love that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it, I got, the, a, lot, I got it, a lot of quotes. <laughs> yeah. I find it's ironic because we joke around half of the vernacular and dialogue we have is probably plagiarized from a movie mm-hmm. a movie or a TV show oh, or yeah. something, right? So mm-hmm. uh, whether people concede that or not, I think you know everybody has a quote or some kind of oh, yeah. mantra, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, your words have some kind of merit in your life. Absolutely. Most of the uh, real brilliant, deep thoughts I have aren't, aren't uh, cataloged somewhere. It's just I'm going to leave that with you and, and you take that with I'm me. I'm going to let that simmer. You just yeah. hold on to that. That's funny. You just pay taxes on that little quote. <laughs> Well, in the interest of time and, and not to, to ramble and drag on terribly long, um, I will probably uh, kind of wrap this up. But uh, there are a few questions that usually I ask um, before uh, we get to the very end, which is the questionnaire that we kind of, I teased you with a little bit. But one of the... the question, we didn't even get yeah. to the questionnaire. <laughs> one Dude, of, he, sent me to this long, he sent me this long questionnaire <laughs> that I had not read. <laughs> didn't look at didn't look at it. No, so the those are some of the questions that were on that just now, so oh. you've done well. Cool. Uh, the two questions I usually ask are... Thank you, Cindy PR training. <laughs> is there anything about me that you've always wanted to know but you never got the chance to ask? 
anything about me like myself? No, for you to me. Oh. Flipping the table here a little bit. Oh. What's your hobby? I have many. You know, I'm, you walk into my room and I'm watching a documentary on, you know, the Pacific Ocean. Uh, I I probably would would say usually anything active. Mm-hmm. Not that it's wildly vague, but I'm just as content surfing as I am playing golf. Uh, give me a soccer ball and I'll kick that thing around all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me a basketball and you might not see me again. So <laughs> all of these things I love. I love the Hashtag water. Dunk video. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I named my son after it. Uh, mm. You put me in the water, and yeah, I'm, I'm a happy, happy camper. So, mm. hobbies. Uh, I never was like the model train, model airplane, car, model car. I didn't really do a lot of that stuff. Mm. Um, wasn't the comic book guy. Yeah. But, and maybe that's a reflection of my parents. Like, get out the house, go do something. Yeah. And very similar to your upbringing as well. Go be active, go create something, find mm. something go to do. do. Something. I had tons and tons of Legos. But I don't remember ever having like a diagram like page one, do this, page two, do this. Who I built instructions. I built so many swords and guns with Legos that mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah, I don't recall that. So creativity and being forced to be creative and, and put out there, whether it be as an as an athlete and being creative on your, you know, field of, of choice or, you know, pen to paper like you talked about a little bit or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy that, just being active. Yeah. Probably my biggest uh, biggest hobby. Okay. This one is a little different twist, but this is, again, you to me. So the question is, if this was going to be our very last conversation, mm-hmm. what would you say to me? Oh, man. This is going to be our very last conversation, bro. <laughs> you know, oh, this is going to be our last conversation. When I go, man, just name my kids after you, bro. Just, <laughs> you know, just name, all my, name all my children after you. <laughs> Let them know that we had such a great time. You know, we played a lot of great games. And your name was really Dr. J. Don't let them believe that you were just a PT. Don't let them believe you're an athletic trainer. You let them know that you were Dr. J, MD. (laughs) You know how to use a scalpel and some scissors and and do some stitches. You you let them know that, man. I can cut open a bag of candy like nobody's business. Absolutely. And dissect dissect a Milky Way. There you go. (laughs) I watched Sarah Dalton. I think it was Sarah Dalton. Yeah, I walked to your office and I smelled uh, either the coconut or the pepper. And Patty, I don't know which one I smelled first, but I looked and she was the only one eating, so I assumed it was her. Yeah, and I saw nothing but white, which means she had nibbled away the outskirts of the chocolate bar. Okay, yeah, I was like, okay, that's that's, that's a choice. A choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go, just eat all the chocolate around the York Patty there. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so the next uh, six or seven questions here are completely plagiarized. I fully recognize and admit that. They are from a Mm-mm-mm. French personality, Bernard Pivot. Here is, I am trying to be all authentic uh, and shit, and he coming here with plagiarism. Well, this is uh, the kind of staple for the television show that I've stolen it from, which was uh, Inside the Actor's Studio. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that questionnaire, we're going to give to you now. Oh, oh go for it. <clears throat> Question number one. Is this like Taraji B. Henson when she's like walking down the hallway getting ready to go on set and they ask her like 20 questions and she has like speed it out? Is that that? Very similar, let's okay, say. I'm ready. I'm what, ready. What is Ooh, your... can't wait for the prize at the end of this. <laughs> Just y'all wait. You wait. What is your favorite word? Um, simultaneously. <laughs> okay, time out. Stop the, the number there. What? Simultaneously. Yep, simultaneously. Okay. It's then favorite word. Uh, con- conversely, what is your least favorite word? Um... Antagonize. Okay. What turns you on? Uh, you mean like what gets me going? 
<laughs> this this everybody here, this stops. Here, Hang on. Oh, is this, this a here, sexual ladies. thing? Is this a personality thing? This is a motivational thing. Mm. It's very open-ended on purpose. Oh, okay. What a thoughtful gift. And what turns you off? Oh, complaining and whining <laughs> and bitching and moaning and yeah, all that BS whining. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. it grinds my gears. All these are. I cards four like way too much. Okay, I, I didn't hear that. I never said that. Just whining. It's perfect. We're complaining. Because the next question is, what is your favorite curse word? Damn. <laughs> Wait, have I used that one yet? <laughs> You're good. Shit. <laughs> That's the one. What is what is it your a sound or noise that you love? Hmm. A sound or a noise that I love. You mean like just a solo like note? No, just oh, when I hear that, I love that sound. I love anybody the same. Um hmm. The ocean for me is something I love to hear. If that oh, helps. That is not that's not mine. <laughs> uh, I, ooh, I don't really have a sound that I love. Okay. It's not even like the wind blowing. It's not even like the calmness. I'm not. I'm not that deep of a person. I really not. I'm not like the calmness of the wind. Mm, yeah. That's just the wind blowing. Child's laughter. I do like children laughing. I totally just fed you that one, though. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Are he lying? <laughs> he can't think of nothing. So, you know, the rev of a nice, finely tuned engine or anything like that. I mean, surely there's something oh, actually, like no, every time I hear that. There is. I do love the sound of roller coasters. Oh, yep. okay. Yep, yep. That's Steel awesome. to rail. Absolutely. Okay. Is it a similar uh, joy you find from trains? No, absolutely not. No, not, <laughs> not the close. same. With steel to rail, that's why. So, yep, steel okay, to rail. Fair enough. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? White noise. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hate it. Right my gears. What profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? Um, what profession mm-hmm. other than my own? Is this outside of entertainment? Yes. Well, it have to be. Darn it. Um, I guess engineering. Here we go. Okay. Any kind of specific uh, field? Mechanical. Mechanical engineer. Yeah. It runs in the family. Yeah. What uh, profession would you not like to attempt? Um, I would not like to be a doctor. <laughs> Is it the blood? Is it Absolutely the memorization? Not. No, 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 no. It's nothing like that. I do not want to be responsible for anybody else's health. <laughs> do not. I do not want to have your life in my hands. I'm sure there is a level of fulfillment. Good for you. You do that. More power to you. I, that's not for me. Nope. Sorry. I love it. Nope. It's not mine. Not my calling. The last question is, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, you did it. (laughs) Welcome. With that same enthusiasm. Yes. You did it. I've been waiting for you to get here. I'm so glad you you fulfilled the task, sir. Yes. I, you know, there was a, there's a story. There's a um, a minister, her name is Priscilla Shire. She did uh, one of the New Year's, um, uh, which one? The New Year's service. I forgot what year it was. It was a few years. I mean, it's within the last like five or six years. But uh, she talked about the the two fish and the five loaves of bread, and basically she was saying how we have to watch how we speak over our five and two. In other words, um, that was the uh, the story where Jesus fed the five thousand. Well, you look at the situation like, oh, there's 5,000 people, but you look at what you have. You have two fish, you got five loaves of bread, you got all these hungry-ass people, and it's like, hmm, it's 
a crumb for you. This is a crumb for you. Yeah. You get one. You get one fish scale. <laughs> how many scales on that one fish? Can you get? If you can get like a thousand scales, then they may have something. They may get a little bit of salt on. You know. Yeah. It may alter their appetite. But you look at what you have, and that same thing paralyzes with uh, parallels with what we look at in our own lives. Um, we don't have material things. We don't have houses. We don't have cars. We don't have the jobs. We don't have the um, uh, the businesses that we want. We don't have those things. But what we do have is that we have ideas. We have a creative will or a desire. We have ambition. And we have, you know, a drive. We have those things. And if we put them all together, those are the ingredients that we have to go out and get a job, to go out and get the opportunity, go out and build a business, be able to get a job and create, to get a job or, or take the skills, take the, the lessons learned and become a mechanic, become an engineer, become whatever you want to be. And of course, you can build from there. But what we have is valuable. So she said, watch how you speak over your five and your two. Watch how you speak over the ingredients that you have within you to build something greater than what you have right now. Now, I say that to say, I say all of that to say, <laughs> um, is that, what was it, where was I going with this? I almost lost my train of thought. Uh, it's a five and two. Well, we're speaking about what you want to hear God say when you're oh, yes. the gates. Um, uh, what I would like to hear him say is that, um, that, the time that you used, you spent it well. That's what I want to hear. I want to know that I did well with the time that you gave me. Yeah. In other words, when I die, I want to die empty. So yeah. that's it. It's not a, I gave you all these opportunities. You didn't do nothing. You did nothing to help anybody. You were selfish all the time. I gave you all of these amazing ideas. You know, I didn't control your thoughts, but you had these amazing ideas. You never acted on it. You know, your salt became, you know, lost its savor. You did nothing about it. You have all these books you knew you could have read. I died, sent, I sent a hint, say, hey, you should read something. <clears throat> and you never read yeah. it. You never made friends. You you started to skate, but you never did any shows or anything. Yeah. What were you doing down there? Just passing time? Sure. You wasted this time that I gave you. I want him to say that, you know what? You nailed it. You did the damn He's not going to say you did the damn thing. <laughs> if, or no, you know what they did? He might say you did the damn thing. Because who is to say that damn is a curse word? So, so you know, he may, say, he may say those things. But I want him to say you did well with the time that I gave you. That's amazing. Yep. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Die, die empty. Perfect. Die empty. Thank you. Again, I know oh, I started yeah. with thank you. But I'll end with thank you as well. Oh, I appreciate yeah. your time, man. It it means a lot, so I appreciate it. I mean, we've so, only been out here for like ten minutes. So yeah, it's totally fine. It's no big deal. Yeah, we're, no big deal. Pushing the hour and change, but uh, yeah, it seemed like nothing. Yeah, which tends to be the 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 theme, I suppose, when you and I speak is mm-hmm. time flies. We could record this in the car, y'all. This is our conversation in the car. <laughs> yeah, we might have. <laughs> awesome, cool. Thank you. Oh yeah.